Hello and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Zoraris. We are here for the Thursday episode that is the nuts and bolts of what this podcast is about. Someone I've known forever whose te- favorite hockey team, the San Jose Sharks, is in a weird spot as an organization and she was frustrated and wanted to get some stuff off her chest. So invited my friend Nikki, who I've known from hockey Twitter forever, to come talk about it. But before I get to the conversation with Nikki, gotta remind everyone to please help grow the show. A lot of ways you can do it. Leave a review, subscribe, if you're on Apple Podcasts, follow if you're on Spotify. Gonna keep doing daily episodes for now, mostly because I'm having fun with it. Uh, We are doing numbers, slowly but surely couple more listens every single week. Makes a difference. It helps. Help grow the show. You see the tweet, retweet it, like it. You see it on Instagram, bump it. You see it on Snapchat, bump it. Help grow the show, please. The better show we can get, the bigger it grows, because I can get better guests. With that spiel, I will set the table for a... Very fun conversation I had catching up with Nikki. I haven't, like, talked talk to her in a while, so this made for a fun talk. Uh, got to reminisce a lot about a really good hockey organization. For much of this decade, the Sharks were a standard franchise. They had three, four elite players, a nice rotating cast around them, and they got awfully close to a Stanley Cup multiple times. They only made it to the Cup Finals once this decade when they lost to the Penguins in uh, twenty. 16, but they got awfully close a number of times. I mean, the guys, you know the names, Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, Patrick Marlowe, Brent Burns, Market with Vlasic, really, Logan Couture, really strong group of guys, and then nice pieces around them, whether you're talking about Hurdle, Nieto, they've had a nice group for a long time. And they weren't able to ever put it together. And they are an example of a team that never opted for a rebuild. They just kept trying to stay competitive for as long as possible. They mortgaged their future more than once to acquire guys at towards the end of their window of competitiveness, whether you're talking about Goose Nyquist or them unloading the farm for defenseman Eric Carlson. They never opted for a rebuild. And now they're kind of in a weird state where they have talented guys on their roster but the team as a whole isn't good enough to compete for a stanley cup so they're in a weird in between i will see you guys on the other side of the drop with nikki carlson comes in here's And with that, I welcome on someone I've known from Hockey Twitter for a long while now to help us peel back the curtain on a team most of us on the East Coast don't get a lot of exposure to, especially this year because the divisional alignment changed and you're only playing the teams in your division. So most of our teams won't be seeing the Sharks until next season, and that's assuming everything goes back to normal, which it probably will, but there's no guarantees. That was a very bad introduction. How are you doing, Nikki? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Uh, it wasn't I'm, a bad introduction. I liked it. 
Okay, good, good. Um, it was, I could be worse. Uh, the Rangers aren't playing today, so I don't have to deal with that, which is good. And the reason I'm having you on now, off night, time to do a little bit of digging around the league. Been making my way through Bruins, Blackhawks, now the Sharks, slowly but surely working our way around to get a picture. So I watched your team uh, try try yesterday is what I'll say. I, I don't know if you would agree with that assessment, but the Sharks are in a weird position now where they were a contender for a very long period of time. They were a Stanley Cup contender legitimately for about eight, nine years, which is not easy to do in a salary cap era to maintain a contender for that long. Had some really, really iconic players from this period of hockey go through their organization. They still have two of them now. They're not as good as they were, but they're still very good hockey players. So this can be an interesting episode. Let, let's start with the origins of your psychosis. How did you okay. get into, <laughs> how'd you get into hockey? How did the bad hockey men start? It's actually super funny though, because my first like hockey memory is not a Sharks memory. I went to a Capitals Islanders game in Washington, DC. I was on our, here in California, I don't know if everybody else does this, but in eighth grade, you go to Washington, D.C. as your eighth grade field trip. And so I was on my eighth grade field trip. And the teacher who was chaperoning happened to be a Sharks fan. And so she told us before we left, like, oh, by the way, like, usually the Sharks are in town playing the Capitals, but they're not this time. But we can still go if you guys want to. She was like, we can either because we had a free night open. So she was like, we can either go to this hockey game or we can go to a nice dinner. And we all voted. And of course we voted for a hockey game because what bunch of 12 year olds want to go to a fancy dinner? Like we'll pass on that one. So we went to Capitals Islanders at, I think it was Verizon Center back then. Now it's something else. Um, we sat in the upper bowl cause she had like 30 kids and you, you know that's where they could fit us. And um, the game actually went into a shootout and the Islanders actually won in the shootout. And after the game, there was like a full on line brawl, like straight up, they all just started beating the shit out of each other. And I'm 12 years old, I'm this girl from California. I've literally never watched hockey before in my life. I grew up with football and baseball. So I see them all hitting each other and I'm like, what is going on? And the kid sitting next to me was actually a Sharks fan. And I asked him, I was like, can they do this? And he was like, <laughs> yeah and I was like cool works for me there was blood everywhere all over the ice they were just pounding on each other and I was like I like this sport I, I'm in I'm down I was like this is amazing blood everywhere all the other girls on the trip were horrified they were like what and I was like I'm standing up I'm like yeah hit him like absolutely it was amazing I loved it Really good first hockey story. Wow. Um, that was really, you told that well too. That was good. That was good. I'm picturing like a bunch of 12 year olds just losing their mind at violence in front of them that they weren't expecting to get. And then it was just kind of a treat because it was at the end of the shootout and everyone was mad at each other. That sounds like it was, a it was wild. Yeah, it was wild. Like I was obsessed. And like all the boys around me were like looking at me as I'm like standing up and yelling. They're like, and I was like, yeah it was hilarious so after that you kind of were like okay I'm gonna do this and when would you say you really started getting into hockey because 
there's liking hockey and then there's liking hockey the way that you and I do. Right. Um, I mean, so once we got back, I made it a point, like, I want to find the Sharks games on TV. Like, I knew we had a team, but I didn't know what, you know, what network they played on. So I made it a point to actually start watching and kind of teaching myself the game. And I would look up the rules because I didn't understand something. But like, I really like got into it. I would probably say like my senior year in high school. I don't know why I asked for, I think I got like a half season ticket package for my birthday from my parents because I was really getting into hockey and I could only go every once every, you know, I didn't go a lot, but my mom and my dad got me a half season ticket package and I started going more. And that's when I really kind of like got into it, like craziness started getting into it. It's one of those things where you kind of are sitting there. I know the feeling, it always hits me when right before the team comes out and the lights go dark and you're sitting there, you have your drink in your hand and you're like, wow, this is nice. I I think about that a lot now because it's been like a year and a half since I've had that of just like, wow, I'm going to get to see my favorite team get play hockey and I get to be here and I get to watch it with my own two eyes. And it's hard to explain. That's the best feeling, though. That's the best feeling, though. And that's what I tell everybody, especially coming from a Sharks fan. I may be biased, but I think we have the best entrance in the league. Obviously, everybody knows that the Shark Head is iconic, especially during playoffs. They don't. So in a normal season, right before the game starts, they lower the Shark Head so that the guys can come out of it. During the playoffs, we do this whole ritual where they lower it super like slow and we all do our towel thing. It's like, it's literally a ritual that gives me chills just thinking about right now because I love it so much. It's just so good. And like, I tell everybody like, you have to experience that just like once and you'll be hooked. It it really is. Like two years ago, we were home from college for our winter break, whatever. And the Capitals are playing the Devils at the Prudential Center. I got the the tickets were seven dollars each and one of our friends wasn't able to go so me and my one friend were just texting a bunch of people like you want to come you want to come the tickets free it's only seven dollars we don't mind it's seven bucks come with us one of our friends he'll watch hockey he doesn't care about hockey Brandon had one of the most fun times of his entire life watching Alex Ovechkin just bowl over people it's really I mean that's just who he is you know it's really I know it's crazy it's in-person hockey is so much better than it is on TV. And it's really hard to translate because the really, really talented guys, just they look different. Like everyone has seen people ice skate before, but like seeing Eric Carlson skate from behind his own net with the puck on his stick does not look like how other people ice skate, especially not with your own two eyes. Yeah, It's really hard to explain. It really is. And it's so funny though, because my my cousin lives in Hawaii. She's lived in Hawaii her entire life. And um, she was here visiting. And so we took her to a Sharks game. And she's not really into sports. You know, she likes football, but she's not a huge sports person. And we took her to a Sharks game. And that was the most fun I've seen her have ever with me, at least. Like, she was so into it. Like, she was screaming. The guys were hitting each other. She loved it. And she, like, told me after, she was like, you were right. It really is better in person. And I'm like, I told you. It's just something about the atmosphere, hitting yeah. 
like hearing the guys hit each other and the skates on the ice, like it's just a completely different feeling than watching it on TV. Yeah. Before we get into actually talking about the team itself, are you optimistic, pessimistic, or realistic? I'd like to say I'm optimistic, <laughs> but you've obviously seen my tweets. I'm very pessimistic. I try to be like realistic about it, but it sometimes it comes out as pessimistic. And like my mom will tell me, or like my brother will tell me, like, yo, that sounds really harsh. And I'm like, sorry. Like, <laughs> that's just how it is. I call it how I see it. And sometimes it's not very nice or very PG, but that's just how it is. Hockey's not a sport for the faint of heart, even if you're just talking about it. There, you're not, you don't have to be polite. This is a violent sport. People are running on knives on ice. This is a violent Lit game. Literally, it is a violent game, and that's just how I am. So now that we've kind of established why it matters so much and why it means so much, we're, you're going to have to relive a little bit of trauma here talking about the last decade of Sharks hockey. <sighs> Yay. Because... When I think of the Sharks, I always think of the playoffs because for most of this decade, the Sharks were in the playoffs. And as a hockey fan, that first month of the playoffs where, you know, there's two or three games on straight through from 7 p.m. to 1.32 in the morning is the best time of year. And that usually ended with either the Sharks and with the Kings, or now it ends with Vegas at the end of the night. And the Sharks came really close more than once. They've had some amazing, amazing teams that came really close. They went to the cup final the one year. They went to the conference final quite a few times. And this is a team that had a legitimate hard time getting out of the first round for a while. I know there's that commercial, the the one commercial that NBC used to have for the because it's the because it's the cup commercials where it was like the biggest shock in the world that the Sharks beat the Red Wings in the first round of a playoff series because like these are the Sharks. They don't beat teams, especially not the Red Wings. So mm -hmm. walk me through this decade of very close, but no cigar. Talk to me about what made these teams so fun to root for. What was so special about them? You know, I think it, a lot of it had to do with the players. Cause like you, you want to see, especially like when you're not a fan of these teams, like you want to see specific players do good. And so I think a lot of that had to do with Joe Thornton. Everybody, who doesn't love Joe Thornton? Besides like Vegas fans and St. Louis fans, we won't ask them. But like, honestly, who, who doesn't love Joe Thornton? And so I feel like it has a lot to do with who we had on the team, Patty Marlowe, Joe Pavelski, you know, it's just, I think you look at a team who has been in the playoffs so often and people just naturally want you to do well because you haven't won anything, you know, like if people haven't seen the sharks get past the first round, they really want the sharks to get past the first round. And so I think it has a lot to do with the players, their personalities. You just want to see these guys do good. And so when they inevitably lose, it sucks, especially for us, because all I wanted to see the last decade was Joe Thornton win a cup. That's all I wanted to see. I wanted to see Joe Thornton raise that cup above his majestic, beautiful head. Did I get to see it? No. And now he's gone. So it's like, it's like you have to think about it like that. It's, it sucks, but, you know, all I want for Joe Thornton 
Patty Marlowe, Joe Pavelski, guys like that, is to see them win a cup. And it's obviously not going to be with my team, but that's fine. It was weird seeing all of the guys who used to be Rangers win the cup on the lightning last year. So I can definitely relate to that feeling of like, this guy, like I watched him break his foot blocking a shot and then try and play through two more playoff games on my team three years ago. Well, I'm glad he won a cup, but man, I wish that was for my fucking team. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's a weird, mm -hmm. it's a weird feeling to describe. So aside from the cup final year, which will be its own conversation in a second, which year stings the most? If you had to pin, single out a single series, a single game, where it's just like, man, I wish I would die right now. The reverse sweep against the Kings. I did not leave my house for a week. I know that sounds very dramatic, but I literally was so upset I could not leave my house. I was on the couch for days because I think it hurt the most because we were we were up three nothing and we looked really, really good. And then Drew Doughty, I don't remember what he said, but he started talking mad shit. And then they really came back. And I was like, you guys are gonna let Drew Doughty talk shit about you and then let him come back. And then for them to go on and win the cup, I was like, I know, I'm sorry. I know. They won the cup. It was awful. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. If you guys had won that series, the Rangers would have won know, that cup that year. I know. Uh, that's all I'm going to have. I apologize. I'm sorry I to the entire it. New York Rangers fan base. I'm sorry. It's not my fault. Nobody likes it's, the Kings. I think we can agree on that. Nobody likes the Kings. It was Auntie Niemi's fault. That's why. The Sharks and their goalies, man. That's another storyline that's coming up a little bit later in this discussion. And Nikki just made a face like I talked about an animal being run over. So th th this is going to be fun. Talk, <laughs> talk to me about the cup year. Because going to the cup final is a feeling that you really can't replicate in anything else. Because it just takes so long to get there. Because the playoffs typically start first week of April. To get to the cup final, you are playing until the middle or late June. It's a two and a half months grind through three series just to get there. And then seven games, and you got to try and do what you can. And what the, the Sharks, they had their chances in that series, is what I will say before I let Nikki talk. They had their chances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. And unfortunately, they did not capitalize on those chances which is fine i'm not bitter at all but you know that run to me was so magical because i got to go to every single round except for the stanley cup final because i am in education i can't afford those tickets people that's just <laughs> how it is um i know the first round against los angeles we just completely they had no chance they really didn't they were tired from the year we just beat them down they won one game and that was about it. And then we played, was it Nashville? That was crazy. That was one of the craziest playoff rounds I've ever watched. Only because, and I hate to be that person, but the refs just really, sometimes you can just tell when they don't want your team to win. And you're just like, you can see it happening, but there's literally nothing you can do. And you're just, you just have to sit there and watch it. 
so that's what that entire Nashville series was about, like was the refs. And you could really tell they were trying to get Nashville to that next round and the Sharks just would not go away. That, that game seven, I was actually in attendance for. I had won a ticket. So I was there by myself. And that was like one of the craziest games I've ever been to. It was so loud. I loved it. I love game sevens. There's nothing like a game seven. And then we got to St. Louis and St. Louis just, you know, they were St. Louis. They, they put up a good fight, but not good enough. And then we got to Pittsburgh and I was like, here we go. Like, I still cannot look at Sidney Crosby. I really can't. I can't look at him. He took my cup. It's I say mine because it's mine. He took it. He took it away from Joe Thornton. He took it away from Patty Marlowe. He took it away from Brent Burns. He took it away from Joe Pavelski. I can never forgive Sidney Crosby. Not that I'm American, but because I'm a Sharks fan. The other, we won't talk about the golden goal. That's another story. I can't look at Sidney Crosby. I hate him. I hate his face. I know who he is. I know everybody's going to hate on me for it. I don't really care. I empathize with your pain. As you were set, rattling off those names, I was thinking about like, yeah, I would kill Alec Martinez if I had the opportunity. I'd eat the charge. 20 years? What's 20 years? It's fine. I, what's what's 20 years? It's good. They made Henrik Lundqvist cry, bro. That's not cool. It's not cool. <sighs> poor broken-hearted Hank. Uh, that poor, poor man. Um, I know. Talking about that one, one year you didn't mention was, what was it, two years ago when uh, they... Uh, tried to kill Joe Pavelski when Vegas tried to kill Joe Pavelski. Um, one, of the cra- one of the craziest hockey games I've ever watched in my entire life where like I was in my single in college and like they were slowly making their comeback and I'm yelling and I'm yelling and I'm yelling and the RA knocks on my door. He's like, you okay? I'm like, there's a hockey game on. They were losing four to one and they just tied it and it's going to overtime. Yeah. One of the craziest hockey games I've yeah. ever watched. Talk to me about that game specifically, because, you know, you just saw Joe Pavelski, like, leave the ice bleeding from his head, and no one knows if he's okay, and I still think about, I forget what he was on, but Couture was on something, and I just remember him being like, when Pavelski went out, I came down the bench and I said, don't let us get one, we get one, we're winning this game, during that double minor, and run me through your emotions of that night. So I was actually in attendance for this game. Oh God. I was there. Yeah, I was. So we beat, uh, we beat Vegas in overtime for game six in Vegas. Literally, as soon as that happened, my best friend texted me and she said, we need to go to game seven. And I was like, bet I'm there. So she bought us tickets. We were literally at the very top of the arena because tickets were almost already almost sold out by the time we got there. So we were at the very top, I'm sitting there and Vegas starts scoring. We go down for, I'm pissed. I'm so mad. I'm sitting there second intermission waiting for the third period to start. And I looked over at my best friend and I said, if Vegas scores again, I'm leaving. Like, I don't want to sit here and watch this. She was like, okay, I'm sitting, I'm pissed. I'm fuming. I'm spouting off to her and she's like I know I know so Joe Pavelski goes down 
And as a fan, that's like one of the scariest things I've ever seen. I grew up watching football. I grew up watching baseball, but I have never actually seen somebody bleed from their head. Like, and I was on the opposite side of the arena from where he was. So he was over here and I was on the opposite side. And as soon as he went down, I could see the blood coming out onto the ice because ice is white, the blood is red. I can see it pulling around his head and I'm freaking out. I call my mom because I know she's at home watching the game with my brother. I go, what the hell just happened? Because I didn't even see it. It would happen so fast. All he, all I saw was him on the ground. I'm like, what the hell happened? And she explains it to me. And I was like, oh my God, like, I hope he's okay. And then I see him get up and they, you know, Brent, I think it was Brent Burns and uh, Joe Thorne just steer him off the ice. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is awful. Like, I hope he's okay. So I freak out. So we go on the five minute major. Yes, Vegas fans, five minute major. We go on the five minute major and we just start scoring and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, are we actually going to do this? Cause I have no faith in them. I am who I am. I'm like, oh great. We're going to let this five minutes go. We're going to lose. Great. So we start, start scoring one after the other and I'm freaking out and we tie it and I'm screaming loud. I have never heard the tank as loud as I heard it that night. So we're all screaming, we're all celebrating, it's tied. We have less than a minute left. And no, it wasn't tied. We took the lead, we took the lead. And then there's less than a minute left and Vegas ties it. And we're all pissed, we're like, no, like we're screaming. So overtime starts, we're going through it. I think it was about the eight minute mark that Hurdle scored, I'm not too sure, or not Hurdle, Barkley Goodrow, um, that he scored. And when I tell you, I thought the place was going to fall. Literally, I have never heard it so loud or pop off like it did when that happened, literally, I was screaming, my eardrums were ringing. I could not talk the next day at work. I went to work and my kids were like, Miss Nikki, why aren't you talking? And I was like, I literally can't. It was insane. That Barkley Goodrow move just went around Mark. Oh, I I have a picture actually of it. Of Barkley Goodrow going around Mark Andre Fleury scoring. I could see the puck going into the net and I had Barkley Goodrow sign it. So I have a picture of that. That's like one of my proudest possessions. I was super happy that I got that sign before he got traded. But that game was just absolutely insane. I couldn't believe that I was in attendance for it. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, yeah, I was there for game seven. Like, that's like one of my, I'll be telling my kids this story because it was just one of the craziest nights I've ever had as a hockey fan. One of the best hockey games I've ever watched. If the NHL had like, you know, the brain cells of the NFL or the NBA were like, you know, they have their catalog available where it's like $20 a month mm. and you can go back and watch any game you want. The NHL should get on that because there's a lot of those kind of games from the playoffs where I'd dedicate six hours to just, you know, watching hockey games from 2016 if you'd let me pay you $20 a month. There is a yeah, need totally. for this. There is a need for this. You know how long of a pandemic it's been? I, I needed hockey for a while there and you guys did nothing for me. 
The NBA was throwing up games for free on YouTube. So was baseball. So was football. NHL, puck personality videos from 2018. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Sidney Crosby, what's the most used app on your phone? iTunes. Ugh. Great talk. Great talk, Sid. He's uh, so boring. It's like not even funny. <laughs> Sorry, Sid. I hope you're listening. You're boring. I think someone said he had the personality of cottage cheese the other day when they were talking about why the NHL has no marketability. So interesting players that have come through San Jose. Later to the party, Eric Carlson comes in after that crazy year he has in Ottawa where he's playing on what was like a broken ankle basically for three solid weeks against the Rangers and then Pittsburgh. They go out. Then that fall, they trade him to San Jose. When they traded for him, you still felt like the window was open, right? That like, we're doing this because he puts us over the top to be a cup contender, not a, we're doing this because we're close, but this makes us a playoff team. This is definitely a move of, we still think we can win a cup. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So now, unfortunately, the plan didn't work, obviously. So the Sharks are kind of stuck in a weird limbo where they have guys like Carlson, like Burns, like Vlasic, like Couture, like Evander Kane, who are veteran guys who, you know, are still pretty high-level players. But then everything around them is either just kind of a stopgap to fill in or someone who's pretty unproven. I mean, I like a lot of the guys on the Sharks roster individually. I wanted the Rangers to go after LeBanc last year when nobody was offering him anything because the Sharks were like, wait, we'll take care of you. We promise when it should have been like someone around the league should have been like, Kevin, we'll give you money. You can come play hockey for us. The Sharks were just like, we promise we'll pay you. And they, they didn't really pay him that much. And I, I'm looking down the roster. Timo Meyer is still pretty good. Hurdle, pretty good. Nieto is a solid fourth-line dude. Sorensen's not bad. There are nice pieces on this roster, but it's obviously not a playoff team right now. I mean, that's mostly because of goaltending, but the goaltending conversation is coming in a second. Yes, I know, the goaltending conversation. So, <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about your expectations coming into this season. What did you expect from them this year? because of the weird state uh, the roster's in and the fact that the division is harder now and you're only playing your division. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... Here's my pessimistic side again. I really had very low expectations going into this season. I even, I think I even tweeted that out because I did not want to get my feelings hurt. You know, like, I'm the kind of person who really throws herself into my sports teams. I hate that I'm that way, but that's just who I am. So I kind of like lowered my expectations this year because I was like, okay, like it's probably not going to happen. We're probably not going to. And especially when they added St. Louis to our division, I was like, great. Playing St. Louis, Vegas, um, Colorado, you know, all those teams eight times, even when, especially Vegas, like we already hate Vegas. Like there's like obviously a hate there. So those are already going to be crazy. Um, so, but I just had low expectations because I didn't want to hurt my feelings. Um, I didn't really, when we traded for Dubnik, that's when I kind of was like, okay, no expectations at all. But I liked bringing back Matt Nieto. I really like Matt Nieto. I think he, like you said, is a great fourth line guy. And I think he meshes with Patty Marlowe really well. Um, but I tried not to get my hopes up, you know, um, Carlson was coming off an injury. 
Hurdle was coming off an injury. Shemek was coming off an injury. So I was trying to keep them down. But, you know, as any fan is going to, you're going to get excited if you win one or two games when really we should be losing because we do need that top five pick to retool, you know, like we just are not that good anymore. And a lot of Sharks fans don't like to realize this, but, you know, we're just not that good anymore. Um, Joe Pavelski walked and I think everything really just kind of went downhill from there. Um, He was obviously a huge leader in our room. And so to lose that and then replace it with a guy like Logan Couture, who isn't really very, I don't think, you know, I'm not in the room, so I don't really know, but you can tell that the guys, not that they don't respect him. It's just, I don't think Logan is a good captain in the fact that he doesn't really get guys going like Joe Pavelski could. We saw this, I know we saw this video a few years ago. Um, we were playing Arizona, I want to say, and we were down maybe three or four, two or three goals going into the third period. And um, he walked in and he just cussed everybody out. Like in the way where like somebody cussing you out is going to make you do better. He just cussed everybody out. He was dropping F-bombs. He was pissed. And we went out and I'm pretty sure, I want to say we won the game. I don't remember. So don't quote me on that. But I just don't see the kind of drive from Logan Couture that I did from Joe Pavelski. And that's that's concerning because your guys don't want to go to war with you, you know? Like you could probably ask anybody who was in that room, would you go to war with Joe Pavelski? And they'd be like, hell yeah. And then you could ask somebody, would you go to war with Logan Couture? They'd be like, no thanks, I'm good. So. I gave you the benefit of hindsight and you could go back to 2007 uh, fall of 2017 and be like don't trade for Eric Carlson if the pick's going to be the third overall pick don't do it would you do it or would you still roll the dice and maybe you get another crack at it you do end up winning the cup that year what would you rather do roll the dice and try and get that cup or have the top five pick that ended up being what second third overall it was third yeah um (laughs) it was the third one I like Eric Carlson personally. I think he's a really nice dude. I think he adds a lot to this team. He's Eric freaking Carlson. People have to remember that. You know, he's obviously, he's aging. He's got some personal stuff going on with his wife and his family, which we all totally get. I would still roll the dice and trade for him because if you do win that cup, he's putting you over the edge for that cup. And if we do win that cup, everybody's praising him. Everybody's like, oh, Eric Carlson this, Eric Carlson that. I still would do it, but I would have made that pick top five protected. It's okay, Doug. I'll forgive you on that one. I didn't like letting go of Chris Tierney either because I thought he had a lot of potential also. And then Josh Norris, we'll see how he works out. He's, you know, pretty good so far, but I would still do it. I like Eric Carlson. Everybody's going to hate on me for this, but I like Eric. I think Sharks fans are too hard on him. I think everybody just needs to freaking relax because he's still Eric Carlson. I know we pay him a lot of money, people, but he's worth it. He's Eric Carlson. I still, I think ultimately 
you owe it to the guys on that team. You owe it to Pavelski. You owe it to Joe. You owe it to Marlowe at that point in time that we got maybe one or two more cracks at this. If I don't bring this guy in, it's not that we couldn't do it without him, but we bring him into the room we already have. We're right there with everyone else that year. They really had a good chance that year. And when you make a trade like that, it's a gamble. There's no guarantee it's going to work, but that's part of the job. Yes, they probably should have lottery protected the pick, but that that's reasonable. That's a reasonable criticism. <laughs> that's that, another story for a different time. That's not Eric Carlson's fault they didn't lottery protect the pick. Eric Carlson is still right. an above-average hockey player at this point. He's not elite anymore, but he's still above average. And on a good team, he will run your power play. He can play 22, 23 minutes a night, drive possession, all the things you want from your first pair right D. Sharks are a little bit weird yeah. because they have him and Burns, who are both what right. Why'd you just roll your eyes? Talk to me. Well, because Eric Carlson and Brent Burns are the same person. Yeah. That's my problem. When Burns won his Norris, it was because he was paired with P Paul Martin, who I affectionately refer to him as Brent Burns' babysitter. Because if you don't have Burns paired with Paul Martin that year, he doesn't win the Norris. I love Brent Burns. I have two of his jerseys hanging on my wall. But he is just, he drives me crazy so many different times a night that the fancy goals kind of make up for it. But sometimes I'm just like, Burns. You play defense. <laughs> You're supposed to keep the puck away from the other team. And sometimes he just like hands it over. And I'm like, or when I see him like, this is the worst. I hate this. When I see him defending a two-on-one going the other way and he lays down, that drives me through the roof. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. So Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are literally the same person because they play the exact same way. And so when we traded for Eric Carlson, I was super excited. I was like, oh, heck yeah, we have Eric Carlson. I wanted personally to trade for, uh, I want, or not trade for, I wanted John Tavares. I thought he, they could have made I that thought he wanted, I thought he would fit our team more because we, at that point we needed scoring. We didn't need defense. And so when he went to Toronto, I was like, great. But then we traded for Eric Carlson. And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess, like, I guess we can try the Eric Carlson experiment. But I actually did really want John Tavares that summer. But it's fine, John. You went to Toronto, but it's fine. Yeah, that was a really crazy offseason. There was a lot of moving pieces, and we all were kind of sitting around. And then, you know, July 1st came. And then, yeah, Tavares to the Leafs. And been weird ever since the 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 hockey timeline kind of broke there that was a weird demarcation point where quite a few teams like you know turned around became less of a joke like the Leafs are still kind of a joke until they win a playoff series but I digress talking yeah, I agree I agree <laughs> talking about the team now just how weird is it that Joe's not there oh my god it's so weird <laughs> It's so weird. And I think in a non-COVID world, it would be weirder because when you do go to like practices, they let fans in. When you do go to practices, you can literally hear him barking at Brent Burns. You can hear them barking at each other like they're dogs. And so you can 
he's just such a presence. He greets everybody when he walks by. I don't know if anybody's been to Shark's Ice, but their practice facility, they walk by a set of bleachers while they're coming out onto the ice. And Jumbo's super nice. If he's in a great mood that day, he'll be like, hi, everybody. He'll say hi to everybody, do his thing, go on the ice. He'll come back out and then he'll sign autographs. And so he's just such this huge personality, even when you're in the tank and like you're watching warmups before the game, you can hear him yelling. You can hear him screaming. He just, you can hear him laughing. He's just having such a good time. You can tell he loves what he does. And so for us to lose that, especially because he is, he was such a vocal guy in our locker room because he's Joe freaking Thornton. Of course he's vocal. Of course he's going to tell you how he feels. So for us to not have that anymore, it just feels weird. And I'm not even on the team. Like we're not even allowed to be around the team right now for obvious reasons. But it's like, I, even I can feel the fact that he's gone. Like I can feel it through the team, through literally through the TV that they're, they don't have jumbo. And I think it's especially hard on Brent Burns because they are besties. And so, cause they're literally my mountain men. I love them, but they're besties. So I can tell it's been hard on Brent Burns, but I think we're all happy for Joe. We just want Joe to win a cup. That's, that's why I was so confused though. When he went to Toronto, I was like, if you want to win a cup, Joe, why'd you go to Toronto? <laughs> like that makes no sense to me. Leafs fans are going to hate on me for this because I said that Chon Tavares wasn't a good leader. So that's why they had to bring Joe Thornton into the locker room. Leafs fans. I stand by that statement. You can all bite me. You're very aggressive. Yes, I am. <laughs> so talking a bit more about the team and its current state, what is there to be excited about? I don't know if that's a loaded question or not, but what is there to be excited about? I really like the young guys that we have. So like guys like Mario Ferraro, Timo Meyer. Timo's struggling a little bit right now, but that's the thing about Timo. Timo kind of struggles at the beginning until he sets in and then he's scoring every other night. Um, Tomas Hurl, who is going to be the next captain of the Sharks team. Everybody can mark my words. I think they should strip Logan of the C now and give it to Hurdle. Um, by the way, if you still want Kevin LeBanc, I am more than willing to give him to you. I you would may like have Kevin, him. I would like a Kevin LeBanc, please. You can, you can have him. I don't even care. I don't see how he goes up from here. He's okay. He's mid-level. He's not amazing. He's not great. He's okay. I like him, but I would ship him off at the first chance I got. I really thought we were going to send him to New York for one of your goalies because we needed a goalie, but that's fine. Obviously, Doug Wilson does not listen to my tweets. Sometimes he does, not all the time. But I think we, and especially like um, the John Leonard kid that we just mm. got from UMass who also played for or with uh, Mario Ferraro. I really like him. He's really, really fast. Um, when we played our first game against Arizona last week, that was like one of the things that really stood out to me was how fast he was. He was getting to the pucks. He was beating other people. It was just, I really liked him. So I think the young guys that we have coming up are going to be good. Hopefully, I hope. I pray that they're good. But, you know, I really think that, we need to kind of ship off 
some of these older guys with the big contracts. Um, as much as that hurts me to say, because I love all of them, but I think it's almost time to move on and just kind of, it's like fish or cut bait, you know, like you gotta either move on or, you know. Yeah, you gotta either go for it with your expensive veteran guys or you gotta start over and it's not easy to start over i mean the rangers did it it took them four and a half years and they're still not good chicago uh got bullied into doing it because they've been so bad for two and a half years that stan bowman wanted to save his job so he said yeah we're rebuilding even though he had no intention of rebuilding before this year and then you look around the league ottawa burned it to the ground completely and started from scratch it is a doable thing, but you got to be willing to do it. And you got to remember, a guy like Doug's been there forever. He's had that job right. forever. So he doesn't want to start from scratch because he doesn't know how many more years he wants to be in that job where he feels like all I need is one or two years. We deal with it. We suck it up. We go for it one more time with like 35-year-old Brent Burns, 33-year-old Eric Carlson. And we could still do this. And I think that's probably what he thinks realistically, that they only need one or two years to just kind of wean out these younger guys to see who can stick and then still go for it because they're paying those two they're paying Evander Kane they're paying Logan Couture they've got a lot of money tied up in those guys and it won't be easy to move them and you won't get great value back for them so he probably feels like if I go for it with these guys in a year or two I think we could still be decent I mean the west is brutal I mean in a normal year you're gonna have to go through Vegas St. Louis Colorado Edmonton, Calgary, Dallas, Chicago, if they ever get it back together, Vancouver, there's a lot. It used to be all the California teams too. Like you would, yeah. like people, I know you guys, like East Coast hockey fans used to hate doing the California gauntlet because at one point in time when us, LA and Anaheim were all good, like you couldn't like get through the playoffs without playing at least one of us. Mm -hmm. And so I, by the way, shout out to LA and Anaheim right now. The solidarity, if we're, one of us is bad, we're all bad. Yeah, that it, it, Anaheim is a weird team. They, they never like blew it up. They just let everyone leave. And then they really didn't trade for anyone. And they kind of started doing the, well, I guess we suck now. So we're going to use our draft picks and wait. And now Ryan Getzlov is like 45 years old. And there's no one on that team I can recognize aside from John Gibson. It's very weird. Like, They're going to have to, like, scrape Ryan Getzlaff off that ice, honestly. I'm still shocked they let Corey Perry leave. We, these are weird times. These are very weird times as a hockey fan. What? I'm so glad Corey Perry is gone. I literally, I'm the biggest Corey Perry hater. Corey Perry, if you're listening, I despise you. Literally. I was so happy when he left Anaheim, but then he went to Dallas, and he was teammates with Joe Pavelski. I was like, I want to be a fly on the wall for that conversation because after all the battles that Corey Perry has had with us, I I want to listen to that conversation. Honestly, if I was Joe Pavelski, I'd be like, bro, I don't like you. I don't think you can tell a teammate you don't like them to their face in that kind of setting. I don't think that would go over well. Like Joe Pavelski is like a stand up good guy, Captain America, all that stuff. He can't, he, he, you can't go being like, I don't like you to people. That, that's not how it works, unfortunately, on a team. Transitioning a little bit okay. here. If I sat you down with Doug, what would you like to talk about with Doug? What would, you, what would your ideas be? 
if you wanted to give him some suggestions about what you would like to see. He's not going to necessarily do them, but you have the floor with Doug. What would you talk to him I about? Just, first of all, I would tell him, Doug, hire me. <laughs> I don't care where you hire me, just hire me. Um, I think I would probably tell him that it's time to kind of stop giving out those large contracts. That's the one thing about Doug Wilson that really just bugs me is he hands out these massive contracts. And like, I get it. You want to lock up your good guys, your, your core. I get that. But at the same time, like he gives out these massive contracts to dudes who are probably like 30, like Brent Burns, Brent Burns's contract. Awful. Evander Kane's contract. Awful. Mark Edward Vlasic's contract. Awful. Martin Jones's contract. Literally awful. So I get wanting to tie up your core and stuff like that. But when you're signing them for like eight years, when they're already 30, it's like, realistically, do you think they're going to be playing that long at this level? Like they need to continue to go play on a level that's worth your contract. And right now, some of them are not playing to their contract where I'm just like, what are you doing? Martin Jones is a perfect example of that. As soon as he got that giant contract, he was just like, it was like he didn't want to try anymore. He was like, no, it's okay. I got my contract. I got my money. I'm good. It's like, no, that's not how that works. You got the contract because you did work for it. But now I'm like, okay, you got to like keep working for it. Just because you got it and you worked for it doesn't mean you just get to give up. So honestly, that would probably be my biggest thing with Doug is like, stop handing out these massive contracts because they're literally killing me. They're going to kill me one of these days. I do think the one thing he's done consistently that has held them back is he hasn't valued goaltending. And I understand that goaltending is a very hard position to evaluate, that it really is hard to carry over sustainably from year to year. You look at guys who have nice one, two-year runs, and then you see the, the rest of the goalies who, you know, they float around from team to team, whether you're talking about Jones, Cam Talbot, Devin Dubnik, Mike Smith, the guys who are constantly floating around from team to team on one-year deals because they're still an NHL goalie, but not particularly good. And I do think if at some point during their run, they had someone who was a little bit better than just average, they probably, I don't want to say they would have won a cup, but they probably would have had a better chance at winning a cup at some point if they had someone better than Anti Niemi or Martin Jones. Yeah, I love I love Anti Niemi. He's I love him as a person, as a goalie. He was really shaky. A few of those playoff series, I'm like, Nemo, what are you doing? And that's where you you kind of say like, if we did have better goaltending, we I'm not going to say we would have multiple cups by now, but we could have. And I don't want to discredit Jones. Like he really did carry us to the cup that year. He really did. He played insane. He played so good. If it, if he hadn't played that way, we wouldn't have made it to the cup final. But after that, it just his it just went downhill. Like it just plummeted so fast that none of us really understood it. And we were just kind of like con we were concerned and like confused. We were like, what how how do you have these two completely different goalies? but you're literally the same person. And so he did carry us to the cup that year. But after that, it was just like, 
in that series against Vegas, that first round series, like they had to pull him a few times. And it's like, sir, like we need you to be consistent. That's what I want. I want consistency out of all my players. That's just who I am. I know that's asking a lot, but I just want some consistency here, people. It's a reasonable expectation. It's what's driving me crazy about the Rangers right now because they're all babies. They have no experience to draw upon and it's constantly either the end of the world or the best day ever. There's no like just average mediocre game. It's either they beat the Islanders 5-0 or we get 20 shots on goal in three periods against the Sabres. So it's very frustrating when your team is a bunch <laughs> of children who just don't know how to handle any kind of stress or adversity where the minute something goes wrong, well, we lost tonight because they gave up a goal in the first minute of the game, and there's another one, there's another one, and that's how you lose 5 nothing to the Islanders who have, like, three forwards on their team who can score goals. Enough of me kvetching. <laughs> enough, enough. It was nice not having the Rangers to think about today. Um, going forward, do you still feel confident that the organization has a plan, that they know what they're doing? I know that our owner, Hassel Platner, he is, like, super involved with the team he doesn't really broadcast it so nobody really knows but I know he likes to win and so that's really been the the message coming out of the front office with Doug is that they want to win I know Doug knows how to put together a team that can win he's obviously done it before so I have confidence still I'm not on the fire Doug train just yet ask me again at the end of this season maybe I'll feel differently but I still have hope. I still have faith. I think they can do it, but it's going to take a little bit. And that hurts me. That hurts my soul. How do you feel about your coach? Oh, Bob. Bob is really nice. I've met Bob at a gas station. He's super nice, but I don't think, I don't think he's it. And I hate to say that because he's super nice, but like, he, we saw him try in Florida. He went to Florida. He left. We all saw what happened. Um, I think he needs some more maybe experience at this. I know he has experience, but he's just been an assistant coach. And sometimes that doesn't really translate into a head coach. It really takes a special person to be a head coach. And so I was I was upset when we fired Pete DeBoer. I loved Pete DeBoer as a coach. I thought he really got the short end of the stick because Doug Wilson was doing damage control. And obviously, as we all know, when teams are struggling, the first person to go is the coach. I didn't really agree with it. I thought Pete DeBoer was a great coach and I thought he got through to our players really well. And I don't think Bob really has that, but that's just my opinion. You can tell when they're just not into it and they're not playing for their coach. You need a team who's playing for each other and their coach. And I don't see that with Bob being behind the bench. Now that we're kind of opening it up into just general therapy for you, why do you hate Vegas so much? <sighs> How much time do you have? Honestly. Let's say two minutes. I can go two minutes. on and on. Okay. Does my two minutes start now? Yes, go. Okay. I was at our first round um, series against Vegas. I was with my best friend and my brother. My brother was uh, 14 at the time. 
we were sitting there and um, we were in the lower bowl and these Vegas fans came in. You could tell they had been drinking already. I was like, great, here we go. I'm not going to sit around and let you shit talk. I'm really not. Like, I'm going to give it back to you. So the dudes, there were four Vegas fans in front of us, two dudes and two girls. You could tell they were on like a double date. So this one Vegas fan, the dude, he starts chirping as soon as he sits down. Game hasn't even started yet. He starts chirping as soon as he sits down. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this with you tonight. I'm going to make you cry. So the game starts and we go up or no, Vegas goes up three, nothing. We start coming back towards the end of the first period. We're standing up cheering. And this dude turns around to my brother, 14 at the time, he's 14, turns around to my brother and says, hey, kid, shut the fuck up. And we're celebrating a shark skull. I looked at my brother and I was like, what did he just say to you? And my brother goes, he told me to shut the fuck up. I popped off, like literally saw black. I don't even remember what happened. All I remember is my brother carrying me away. He literally picked me up and carried me away. So I'm pretty sure I told him I was going to um, beat him and his stripper girlfriend up. Not too sure. Like I said, I blacked out. Vegas fans are, I don't think I have a problem with Vegas. I have a problem with their fans. That's my main issue. That was only a minute 30. Good. Good. That was. Really? I have 30 seconds left? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh... Yeah. It's just the fans that I do not like. I, they're new here and you can tell that they're new here. And they just don't have any respect. And that's my thing. I'm respect. And when you don't respect me and you come into my arena and start talking shit to my 14-year-old my brother, you're going to get it, sir. And then, wait for this. This dude goes and tells San Jose PD that I'm harassing him. I'm like, sir, I'm 5'3". What do you think San Jose PD is going to do? Come on, knock it off. He got his... He got his seats changed. It's fine. You're a scary individual. I really am. I am. I can't help it, you guys. I'm sorry. I'm mouthy. So talking a little bit about the state of the organization, you naturally got to talk about the teams around you. And we've already kind of hit on that. There's three really good teams in your division. And then there's Arizona, the Ducks, and the Kings, who are all kind of and that weird in-between state of being outright atrocious and good. And they've all been kind of procuring picks. Arizona is a little different because they kind of pretended they were good last year and they traded stuff for Taylor Hall, which was a bad idea and that kind of thing. But how do you feel about the teams around you in your kind of, I'll say your team's weight class as far as, are they further along in their building process than you are? Um, LA, I can definitely say they're probably first on the list. They're going to be really good in a few years, and they're going to be really good for a really long time. I give LA mad props for their rebuild because they really did not take any prisoners. They sold guys off except for, you know, Dowdy, Kopitar, and Dustin Brown, who honestly, who's going to take Dustin Brown, but that's a different story. But like they really sold like guys like Tyler Toffoli. And so they really went for it. And I'm, I give them props for that. Arizona, I don't know why they traded for Taylor Hall. If they weren't going to keep him long term. But that's just me. I wouldn't have wasted my picks. Anaheim, Anaheim is just Anaheim. They're, 
I don't even know how to explain them. They have a really nice arena. Their fans are really nice. But the team is just, it's, after Team Usalani retired, let's be real here, kind of been downhill ever since. Letting Corey Perry go, they're like, literally, they let Corey Perry go. Like, that's how you should know that they're kind of like rebuilding, but like not at the same time. Like, they're rebuilding, but like half-assed rebuilding. Like they're trying, but they're not really trying. So Anaheim, I feel, so, I mean, if we're, LA is probably first and, or not Anaheim, Arizona, I guess, maybe, maybe us. And then Anaheim, I don't know. It's, it's a toss up between us and Arizona. I feel like us and Arizona are kind of at the same spot where we don't really know what we want to do yet. And then Anaheim is just like, I don't even know what they're doing. They're, they're, they're like off, riding rides at Disneyland. I was going to say, they're off getting sun in nice part of California. I wish I was in more. They're riding there. rides at Disneyland. That's what they're doing. Oh, to be in Disneyland in a non-pandemic oh. universe. Oh, terrible. Oh. It's awful. <laughs> I, I miss going outside. I miss going to hockey games. I miss going to Disney World. It, tough times. Tough times. So now that we've kind of... We've talked about the Sharks quite a bit. I just kind of want to pick your hockey brain a little bit and talk general hockey with you. So first question, who is the player not on the Sharks you like the most? Could they have been a Shark at one time? You can't say Joe. That doesn't count. Joe is a Shark. Joe is a Shark. He's on the Leafs, but he's a Shark. Yeah, I know. Um, I actually, I love Ovechkin. I know that's a basic bitch answer. I really do. I love Alex Ovechkin. I like Austin Matthews. I like Claude Giroux. Um, I, I can tell you've been on hockey Twitter for about a decade with those answers is what I'll say. I, I'm, I'm not judging. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same exact way. I'm not judging, but I understand. I, I get where they all come yeah. from. Yeah. And so, I mean, I love Henrik Lundqvist. I was super sad when he announced all that stuff about his heart. Like, I really do like Henrik Lundqvist. I like um, P.K. Subban. I don't like how Montreal treated him. I don't like how they shipped him out after he donated literally $10 million to the Children's Hospital. That oh. will never make any sense to me, genuinely. Nope. Like, how dare you donate money to sick children, you awful person. What team do you irrationally hate that isn't Vegas? I know this is going to sound super weird, but Florida, I don't like the Panther. They just bug me. I don't know why. Maybe it's because like some, like when we play them, like in a normal non-COVID season, they play really well against us. And I'm just like, what the heck? They just bug me. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the entire state of Florida that I don't like. Sorry, Florida, but like, you're just weird. I don't know. I don't know why I hate the Panthers. I just do. You could go to a Sharks game that you weren't there in person for. What game would you like to get in a time machine to go back to? Oh, that's a good question. Probably as hard it would be game six of the Stanley Cup final, probably against, against Pittsburgh, just because I don't know. It, I just, I need to cry about it. Like, I would like to see the cup, you know, like I've seen the cup in person multiple times, but it's different when somebody's like raising it. 
I'd like to see that, even if it's not my team, even if it is Sydney Crosby, it's fine. Probably that game, just because it's such a huge game in Sharks history, as bad as it was, like we didn't win, but like it really is like a huge thing in Sharks history. What's a hockey city on your list you haven't been to, but would like to go to? Chicago. Yeah, I want to go to Chicago too. Chicago. I'm dying to go to Chicago. I'm I'm going to go off topic here real quick. I'm a Bears fan. My dad is from Chicago. And so growing up, I was a Bears fan. And so I've never really liked the Blackhawks, but I've always, I want to go to Chicago. I want to hear Chelsea Dagger. I know everybody hates it, but I, I just, I want to feel the energy that Blackhawks games have. You live, what, like 40 minutes from, oh, actually, no, the 49ers don't play in San Francisco anymore. I take that back. Actually, they play super close. I could be to Levi's Stadium in about 10 minutes. You live 10 minutes away from the 49ers, but your your vested interest is in Mitch Trubisky. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack. There. Oh. Maybe maybe once the Bears get a real quarterback, I'll have you come back to complain about them. That that could be an interesting. It's going to be Deshaun Watson season. Deshaun oh. Watson. I would like a Deshaun Watson as well. I think every team should get Deshaun Watson for one game. He should play 16 games for 16 different teams. I think that would be fair is what I'm getting at here. I think that's very fair. And whoever he wins with gets to keep him. It's a good, I like that. I'm going to send that to Roger Goodell. That's a good idea. What's a jersey you want that you don't have? Ooh, a Joe Thornton Leafs jersey. I really like Leafs jerseys. I do. I think I like the blue. I think they're really nice. And so when Joe went to uh, Toronto, I was like, huh, now might be the time. Because like when Patty went to Toronto, I was like, eh, it's okay. I'm not as emotionally tied to Patty Marlowe as I am to Joe Thornton. Don't ask me why. I just naturally gravitated towards Joe. Don't get me wrong, when Patty left, I was pissed. But I want a Joe Thornton Leafs jersey. I think having a Leafs jersey is like every hockey fan like needs just like one. We're working on the collection. We're getting there. Slowly but surely making our way around the league. But it's hard because the Rangers keep getting guys. And it's like, I want his jersey. And instead of getting an Eric Carlson jersey, it's I'm going to get Lafreniere's jersey. You know, those kind of things where your brain is like, I don't need this. But... Well, he's on your team, so yeah, like... exactly, exactly. Okay, you have to tell the Joe Thornton story about the time Hurdle scored four goals. Iconic, truly, truly. Okay, I was at that game where Hurdle Is there any game goals. I'm going to reference you haven't been at? I know, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm sorry. I was at that game, I was actually sitting behind the Sharks bench this was like one of the games that we really went all out for like bought really good tickets so I was sitting behind the Sharks bench and when I tell you I've never heard a bench so happy in my life they were all screaming when he scored that fourth goal I know this is probably painful for you I'm very sorry they retired like, Marty Buron 
I, I know. That game made him quit hockey. It was so bad. <laughs> I know. And did you know he gave Hurdle a signed goalie stick? I did not know that, no. Marty Baron gave Tomas Hurdle one of his sticks and he signed it. Um, I feel bad for Marty Baron, but honestly, it was probably time to retire anyway. But that goal was just insane. So I was sitting behind the Sharks bench. I saw him score, but I couldn't really see what had happened because, you know, these big behemoth of men were blocking my view. That's the one thing that sucks about sitting behind the bench is you can't really see. So I knew he scored. And then so I look up at the Jumbotron to watch it and I see him go through his legs. And I was like, what? Like, did I really just see that? Yep, that was wild. And then for Joe to say what he said, my king, I love you, Joe, if you're listening, I hope you come back. But when he said that, I was dying. Joe Thornton is the king of one-liners. Honestly, anything he says, I'm like, please put that on a t-shirt. very weird he's on the Leafs I keep I keep going and the Leafs are always on because they're on the ESPN plus because TSN has their rights so they're on the ESPN thing when I open the app and I put them on and it's just like aside from like Matthews Marner Tavares and Nylander it's just like a Frankenstein monster of parts around them where it's like there's Jimmy Vesey there's Jumbo there's TJ Brody like what are we doing here Wayne Simmons I keep forgetting he is on the Leafs. This is weird. I don't like this. It's so weird. I know. I'm going to get you out of here because it, there are sports to be consumed. There isn't a lot to be consumed right now, but there is basketball. There are two hockey games. Where can the people find your very passive aggressive and angry tweets, Nikki? <laughs> At underscore NHL sharks, all lowercase. That's me. Nikki's funny. You should give Nikki a follow if you aren't already. I Every now and then, I just kind of have to look at one of her tweets, and I'm like, she okay? No, the answer is no, I am not okay. I'm not okay. That's why I tweet, is because I am not okay. <laughs> Therapy's expensive. Twitter is free. With that, I Amen will, to that. I'm going to get Nikki out of here. I will see you guys tomorrow probably going to talk about the Rangers for 40 minutes because I wrote a blog today and it'll feel better to talk about it by myself and like have a beer or two while I'm doing it while they're playing Buffalo. So I'll see you guys tomorrow.